And that's why we need more people like you to be able to tell that story um, because it is a really proud one and incredible one with rich with history. And I think I'm noticing, especially with like, um, I can speak best to our millennial generation, but, you know, I'm noticing this sort of shame that we used to have growing up, the classic, like opening your lunchbox and feeling like, ooh, this smells. Um, and now we're at a place where we're like, actually, maybe this whole time, my mom might have had a great idea that now people mm-hmm. are like capitalizing on, right? And um, yeah. being less afraid to sprinkle in those spices or advertise making, you know, doll at home, things that we make fun of our parents for now we're kind of owning again. Um, so it is exciting to see you know, this type of also like the work that you do too, it really helps people like us celebrate again and be able to revisit some of those flavors and experiences because it really is memory too. It's not just about yeah. food. Yeah. I, it, uh-huh. sorry. sorry. I was gonna say it's a lot of nostalgia, right? Like our ta- like we, as Indian Americans, we grew up with pizza, pasta, tacos, Taco Bell. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> You know, just like eclectic amount. I mean, at home, I'm not eating dal bhat chakrotli every day. Right. I'm eating like last night we had Thai. The day before we had, um, oh, gadi. And then the day before I had Chinese and Italian. So like our palates are a lot more eclectic than our parents were. And their idea because they would add Indian spices to everything to make it seem more familiar, right? Yeah. And that act of trying to make, you know, non-familiar foods familiar to them created a memory for us. And we're like, oh, yeah. Now, like, whenever I have beans, I always want to add, like, jiru to it because that's just the way my mom made, like, right. Mexican food familiar to her, Right. We also know the food without the masalas and all like our mom's little flavors. Exactly. It it teaches you to also be pretty bold. Like before my mom would, sometimes she'd be like, oh, I'm going to throw sriracha in this mac and cheese, right? And you're like, Mm -hmm. oh yeah, this is really good. And she's like, actually, let's go a step further and like, fuck it up. Let's put some peanut butter. And you're like, what the? But then like, I was like, wait, like it actually kind of tastes like pad thai. So this kind of worked out. Um, But I loved some of the experimentation that comes with also uh, watching your parents see how they can play with flavors to make something more recognizable. Um. So last question on that note, a lot of shows like we just touched on earlier have the opportunity to be much more inclusive. And recently, even we've had a lot of lashback and awareness around this, especially with um, MasterChef, for example, with the contestant, um, believe Philly Armitage Matten for calling her Asian inspired cuisine, dirty food refined. Um, And that was just last month. And then earlier last year, the Great British Bake Off had a Japanese-themed episode, but then featured Chinese bao. So there seems to be a little bit of this ignorance and maybe even the inability to sometimes acknowledge, like, okay, we need to correct this. Um, Mm -hmm. And this is just two examples. So especially because MasterChef is something that you were so intimately close to, Mm -hmm. what were your thoughts about that and what role can people like you play and being able to call that out with the franchise you were a part of? Uh, they could hire more diversely. 
Yes. The culinary team needs to be more diverse. The producers, the, uh, the storytellers, all those people, it needs to be a diverse staff. I mean, mm-hmm. you would think that they would have, like, one Asian person that's like, hey, China, the bow is not Japanese. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You know? Or, like, that Philly would have, like, one Asian friend that's like, maybe you shouldn't call our food dirty. Right. I, but that's the thing, too. Like, to your point, like, ha- actually having that representation in the room Mm-hmm. So critical because A, they'll call it out. But also mm-hmm. sometimes I'm wondering, like, what if they miss it, right? What if this person, it, it, it implies that sometimes we don't know. Um, and it, so it baffles me when, like, they don't go through multiple checks, like, especially places with this many brands. Like, you can't rely on just one person, yeah. the token in the room to call it out. To have a diverse group, right? But also yes. have training for this. How about when you were planning this episode, you just had to Google origins of bow. Right. <laughs> totally. Like, and it's as simple it. as that. Yeah. Yeah. Fact check it. That's all. Exactly. I remember my like favorite example of this is when Krispy Kreme, I think it was like in England, um, they released this thing where they're like, oh, every Wednesday we're going to do this like kids special. So they called it the kids Krispy Kreme KKK um, oh, Wednesdays. No. And so people, of course, immediately were like, oh, duh, fuck. Um, yeah. But they were like, oh, sorry, we didn't know. And like later you're like, who in your marketing department like did not have some kind of like flag like about this? How mm-hmm. did you get past so many checks and balances or like, on this? How did legal not look yeah. into this? Like when you name something, right? Or you have a, like usually legal looks into it to make sure that you can call it that. Because I'm yes. sure they would trademark that. Totally. Yeah. I mean, yeah, this is, it's baffling, but I hope people are learning a little bit more with what we've been talking about more recently in the last year. Mm-hmm. But um, now kind of switching gears, like one thing I also wanted to talk about is you know, I mentioned earlier, one of the reasons I admire your brand so much is that it's very approachable. You really do. It feels like a very direct interaction with your followers. Um, Even like, you know, if someone I've noticed, like if I clap at your story, you'll like, like it. Right. And it's not because I'm like, oh, my ego, but because I'm like, wow, like she took the time. She's someone who's probably really busy, but like, I feel more connected to this person um that seems kind of more out of reach and um I'm probably more likely to feel like oh my girl Hathel when I'm like following you and like learning your tips and recipes right so I really appreciate that and the other thing that you do is that you feature your family a lot including Alara which I know you've called out even in your website like it's explicit and intentional Mm -hmm. um but it must not also I imagine be easy to show so much of yourself outside of just you. How did you make that decision? And how did um, Ilara feel about this? So I feel like there wasn't much of a decision. It was just kind of like real life. Like, you know how people are working from home and their kids roll up into their Zoom? Yes, all the time. Yeah. (laughs) Ilara rolled up into my Instagram. Like, (laughs) I didn't have a choice. She was home. Yeah. You know? I shared, like, a little bit of her, like, I don't have that many early, like, baby videos of her on Instagram. It wasn't a big thing. If you look at, like, my Instagram, there's a couple baby photos of her on my, but not many. Mm -hmm. Uh, 
but she was home. There was, I live in a two bedroom condo. Like there's no avoiding her if I'm trying to make content. Right. So instead of like shoving her to the side and being like, shut up and stay away. I'm like, yeah, it's okay. Whatever. Come on, join in. Wow. That's, I mean, that's super like go with the flow of you. But I also think like, what a cool way to normalize some of the challenges for parents even, right? Like during the pandemic, I know it has not like, I, whatever I complain, like, oh, it's hard. I'm like, okay, well, bro, like you have yourself to take care of, like, and Mm -hmm. your dog maybe, but like, that's really it. And she's more taking care of me right now. Anyway, so seeing parents and their struggle is another level. Um, And I love that how you were able to incorporate that because it also, to me, like shows, like, I feel like sometimes we forget, like, when a woman who is out there as a professional is a mom too. Like they have to treat it almost, it seems like separate identities. Mm -hmm. Um, And the fact that you were able to incorporate it is also inspiring to someone like me who's thinking about kids in the next few years to know that like, maybe they don't have to be so exclusive. No, they don't. I mean, that's why you see so many mompreneurs, right? Where like Mm -hmm. they've realized that, in order for them to be present for their job and be present for their kid, they need to own their own business and to have flexible like hours for themselves. Right. Um, for me, another thing I do is Ilara is an employee of my business now. So <laughs> she has a she gets her W2 forms. Yeah. Oh, she sure does. <laughs> she has a blind trust. She gets a salary, any oh, sponsorships, hey. anytime. So like I, what I do is I add up how many stories she's in for the whole year, figure out how many hours that was, multiply that by like 150. That's her story salary. Then for every story or not story post, any sponsorship that I got that I wouldn't have gotten without her, she gets that. Um, and we contribute to a 401k for her. Oh my gosh. Yeah, the amount of equity, girl, you should be teaching like, <laughs> compensation teams. <laughs> I mean, I'm lucky I'm in a privileged position where, like, I don't need that money to, like, survive. Mm-hmm. But I feel like if you're an influencer, make a good living, set your kid up. Yeah, totally. And I'm sure she'll appreciate it one day for sure. Um, but yeah. even speaking of like, I, how do you protect Alara in social media too, knowing that it's also a place of sometimes, you know, bad people. So she doesn't fully understand that yet. Mm-hmm. Um, right now she sees it as a place of like friends. They're people like when we do our lives, She'll see the pictures and she'll know, like, oh, that person was in the live before and chatted with us. Oh. And she, like, I need to work better on, like, making sure she doesn't create her self-worth based on likes and views. Yes. I was saying she already thinks she's famous. So we were watching like the Spice Girls Olympics concert and they're like riding around on the cars and she's like, daddy, why can they ride on the cars? And he's like, you know, when you're famous, you can do stuff like that. And she's like, but I am famous. (laughs) She's looking for that verified account. (laughs) Parts mean during live. She'll be like, oh, my God, they love me. They're saying they heart me because you'll see, like, the hearts pop up. 
And I'm like, oh my God. <laughs> hey, I wouldn't like, I'm sure like, yeah, you're like, oh, I got to talk to that girl. But at the same time, I love the confidence that she's developing at a young age. Like, had we all had that type of confidence growing up, we wouldn't have gone through so much teenage angst. So, oh, love she's it. She's like, I'm beautiful. I look good. I'm smart. Yes, you and are. And I'm like, already, Laura. I mean, girlfriend thinks she can't do no wrong. <laughs> I hope she keeps oh. that forever. I was like, oh, Ilara, we'll put you in ballet classes. And she's like, I already know ballet. <laughs> All right, going back to basically why Down to Brown was created too was basically this magical momentum is happening right now with brown women coming forward and normalizing previously taboo topics and experiences, traumas, behaviors that occurred in our families and friends and our own experiences. So how do you, where do you, um, where are you in your self journey with this and what comes to mind when you think about this? I feel like I'm in this like post journey of like, once you've realized it, like for me, a lot of messages I get are from women who have used the idea of not learning, not the idea, but I guess like just not learning how to cook as a form of boycott and protest to like the Indian patriarchy, right? Mm Because, like, your mom tells you, like, you need to learn how to make a round round roti for, like, a good husband. And, like, you need to learn how to cook. Otherwise, your in-laws, like, won't like you or you won't find a husband. And I feel like I don't see cooking in that way. I see it as a way that gives you power. It's a skill you can monetize. It's a skill no one can take from you. You nourish yourself and everyone around you. So I'm in this phase of like, I'm not going to learn how to make round rotli. Please don't force me to make dalpa, shak rotli every day. <laughs> to like, I want to learn this for me. Yeah, definitely. And I, I can see that though as being an act of defiance. But to your point, it's what mm-hmm. you make of it. Um, and I'm really glad that we could revisit it in a way that reclaims some of that power. Um, and I think there's mm-hmm. opportunity to build more equity then in the kitchen too. Um, Agreed. When it comes to gender dynamics. Like, oh, slash everyone should know how to cook, not just girls. I mean, for sure. Even to this day, when my fiance makes something for me, I'm like, wow, like what a life I'm living where the man went into the kitchen and made me steak and potatoes, you know, and it's like oh, incredibly boy. sad that this is how touching it is. It's so funny. I remember like whenever I go home for um, the holidays, one time I was in the kitchen making dosa or warming up something and he's at the stove and my masi came over and it looked like her eyeballs were just about to fall over her head because she was like, why is he at the stove? <laughs> I think he lost his way around the house, Huthal. You might want to show him where the sofa is. <laughs> her, her brain was like, what? <laughs> right. But I love that we're interrupting that. And it is how it should be. So I'm very grateful and for that. People use food as also a way to not do their own thing, right? Like... Yeah, I've had uncles and aunties that are like, oh, yeah, auntie can't go visit her family in India because who would cook dinner? So on this note of food itself, what 
words of advice do you have for Daisy kids who are still struggling to find a passion outside of their typical careers? Um, how can we make it work perhaps the way you were able to naturally follow your calling? I think just exploring. I mean, I, as Daisy kids, we aren't exactly introduced to many outside careers outside of engineer doctors. I mean, think about it. Your friend's parents, right? Mm-hmm. They're all probably doctors, engineers, or some sort of profession. Um, and there aren't, I mean, I don't know about you guys, but like growing up, my mom like didn't let me play too many sports or wasn't happy if I did. Yeah. Uh, art club was not a thing. Musical theater was not a thing. Like right now you have access to do and learn about so many different things. Just find what makes you happy, what speaks to you. Yeah. You don't necessarily have to make it your career, but just find a passion. I find that to be just something really healthy. Absolutely. I'm realizing too, with a lot of that rhetoric growing up, which to your point, it's so refreshing to see it breaking now and people being able to explore. But because our rhetoric was different, there were some things that I didn't even bother trying that I found out later that I wasn't even good at, right? But I would spend so much like emotional labor being like sitting down in the ledge of like a window and being like looking out black and white, like, oh, I could have been a great ballet dancer or something, right? But you try it once and you're like, oh, this is not for me. So a lot of those like even like finding more and more what you don't want to do, what you do want to do. I feel like we didn't even sometimes let ourselves explore because we weren't encouraged to. Like even I have a strong passion for decorating, but I was always told as something you can do on the side. And like now I'm noticing more and more it's a skill like as I'm kind of catching up, like I can really harness it. But I feel like I'm 10 years behind in like doing some of that work that could have just I could have been practicing and been perhaps even more farther along right now. Yeah. So I felt that about food. I'm like, I could have gone to culinary school. I could have done food science degree. But I also am a full believer in like what's supposed to happen happens. Exactly. Yeah. And you you get to set the road for um, Alara now. So Mm -hmm. with her 401k, maybe she can (laughs) do her thing. Um, And her passion for rock climbing. Yeah. Is that a thing for her? Rock climbing? Oh, uh, yes. That's incredible. Every weekend she asks if we can take her to the state park to go rock climbing. Dude, what a badass. She's a little rock climbing helmet and everything. And she goes, scrambles her way up the rocks. Oh, my gosh. She is like a millennial hipster of San Francisco already. Oh, 100%. (laughs) We tried. So we like showed her videos of like various dance styles, like ballet and modern and tap and Broadway. And we're like, does anything speak to you? And she's like, it's cool, but I already know how to do those things. That's actually that's actually a question like my friends and I when we were um I was like you know I'm gonna be talking to Milk and Cardamom like Hethel um and they were like you know I can't imagine like how she comes across so confident and um you know I'm sure Ilara has taken suit but how have you found yourself being able to even take those steps right like even if you're scared you're taking them um and so where do you get that confidence from? Oh, I definitely struggle bus with it. The imposter syndrome is real. Uh, it is ridiculously real. But part of it is also that, like, 
one, I faked it till I made it on MasterChef, right? Remember I was mm-hmm. mentioning how, like, you have to be confident. If you're not, then the judges are like, why should I be confident in you if you're not confident? Like, Yeah. So I faked it till I made it. And then I realized that as long as I'm representing myself and my food, I know I'm confident in my skills. Mm-hmm. It's fine. Now, if you ask me to, like, again, teach you how to make dosa, I am not going to be as confident. Right. That's not my thing. (laughs) Right. But that's just knowing your strengths, you know? Yeah. So like knowing your strengths, knowing what you're good at and leaning into that. And if you're not good at it, it's okay to say, I don't know. Let me look into this or go to this person. They're better at it. Right. Um, I think confidence also comes with like just saying, I don't know. I, I completely agree. You don't have to have all the answers. And it sounds like on your end, a lot of self-awareness, you know, um, that can help even if you don't know what you're doing, you can at least pull what you do know. And I think that's one of those things that like continuously now looking back, if, you know, when you think about yourself in your 20s and you kind of have that cringe moment of, oh, if I wish I could go back and just tell her, it's that like you all, we all have a unique point of view, but if only we just knew like, it's okay, just say it. Because chances are someone is not thinking it or thinking it too. Um, and especially like in corporate, I'll notice like a lot of the times like men and especially white men, they'll say the most obvious thing or like the most out there thing, but they say it with such confidence that I'm like, yeah, that's incredible. I'm like, if I know what I'm talking about, then why should I feel bad about what I have to say, right? So yeah. um, the fake it till you make it, I think is just something we have to tell ourselves to just realize like, yeah, I think I knew it the whole time. I just needed to get out of that shell. Yeah. I think, like, it's tough, and everyone still goes. I guarantee everyone at the top of their game still feels like they're an imposter and people are going to figure out that they're, like, a fraud. Yeah. <laughs> but I think just, like, and maybe it comes with age. I mean, I'm 33 years old. I'm, like, significantly older than a lot of people that go start like people start in food media in their 20s yeah and I'm coming in like as a mom totally like with a couple years of experience under my belt and just knowing like who I am as a person yeah do you ever feel like even that might compensate for the time if you were ever thinking like oh I wish I had gotten into this sooner being able to enter this space now with a maturity that you have now and that confidence is what I mean with the maturity, maybe it could expedite a lot of the lessons of your 20s that might have, you know, been slower or different just because you're still getting there from a self, you know, like yeah. you've had the relationship with yourself. Do you think that played a factor as you're seeing yourself catch up? Oh, 100%. I think... When I, when I like look at um, how I teach classes and how I share my knowledge, it comes from like knowing I'm right mm-hmm. or knowing that this is my strength. Yeah. Um, and it just comes with experience, right? You learn things over experience. I know I've made this pizza crust a hundred times. I know exactly how to make it right. Right. We're at 22. I probably made pizza crust three times from scratch. Yeah. <laughs> and you're like, I don't know. Maybe there's a better way. <laughs> you know? yeah. This is just how I was told. 
Um, and no, you can definitely see that confidence in you too. So I feel like it's very much like inspiring and also infectious for, you know, someone when you're teaching confidence, then the person on the other end can feel a lot better. Now I feel completely cocky when I make your orange mint like cocktail. And so um, it's very much infectious as well. Um, and it just goes to show like, especially our communities that are starting to kind of enter maybe their own renaissance because growing up we might have discouraged some habits it's good to know that like there's this pros and cons to missing out sometimes too in that peak um and it's okay there's no age to no correct age to start what you think is your strength Mm -hmm. exactly yeah and to that piece too like i've noticed I mean, you like that knowledge you share. It's it sounds like Instagram is your main platform. And I like just doing posts like this is such a silly example, but you're like traveling and you're like, oh, let me show like what I did today. You're like, damn, that was like such an energy drain. I'm done. If you're building your business brand, I feel like that's a whole nother level of like being on your phone and really thinking strategically about your Instagram content and I can't imagine how mentally and physically draining that is. Yeah. How are you taking care of yourself, Hazel? Like, especially as the world is also crumbling, like what is the self-care that you practice to make sure that you are able to bring your best self for this? And also, of course, with your family and self. I There's a couple of things. So one is I read every day. Mm-hmm. Every night before I go to bed, I read like a book. I go through like 100 books a year. <laughs> <laughs> and... That's just, like, my moment to, like, sit and not think about anything. Because mm-hmm. I have a really bad habit of, like, right at night, right before I go to bed, I start thinking of my content calendar, what I need to do, when I need to do it by, oh, do I need to email this person? Oh, what other content do I want to create? Oh, this would be a cool, fun um, weekly thing I could do. Mm. And I just start, I need something. I need, you know how people watch, like, mindless TV to turn off? Yeah. Like fantasy young adult books to turn my oh nice. I mean, I, is it safe to assume that you watch Bridgerton? Oh, oh my god, yeah. Right. <laughs> I am a huge Jane Austen fan. I made my husband take me to Bath because uh, oh yeah. And then I when I, when we when I watch the opening sequence of Bridgerton, I'm like, that's Bath. <laughs> I've been there. And then, like, where the balls are head, they're all there, too. Oh, my gosh. No, I had no idea. And I was like, I know exactly where all these places are. (laughs) You feel that immediate connection. I've been there. I felt an immediate connection less to the architecture of buildings and more to the architecture of Simon Hastings. He was incredibly, I, like, lust after him. Yeah. Mm Mm-hmm. I'm with you. Yep. <laughs> I openly told my fiance yesterday, like, I have like a really big crush on him and I feel kind of guilty. I need to tell you and be open about this. <laughs> and he's like, mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I, I definitely stand. 100%. <laughs> Duke Hastings and Bath. <laughs> but you were going to mention another um, self-care practice that you do. I don't consume as much. So... I like, uh, like Instagram. Like I don't yeah. consume as much Instagram content as I used to. Cause I felt like then I was doing like a keeping up with the Joneses situation. Yeah. Uh, and the other thing is take a break when you need to take a break. You don't need to post every single day. I right. I tell you to, I know they say like, that's like the best, best practices, 
it's okay. Your followers will still be there. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. So, you don't need to post every day. If you're like, oh, I don't have anything good, don't just put stuff up to put, put it yeah. up for the sake of having something. Uh, loses authenticity too right like it, deval- it kind of dilutes the content and I actually like I love when you see like influencers or bloggers who are like hey I'm gonna take a break um and the, not that they even need to take the permission of their audience but even saying like oh I just took a break even after it's kind of good to know that you're human and um it builds intrigue in my opinion <laughs> like <laughs> I definitely took like quite a big break between Christmas and now where I was just reposting old content which that's a good time to use it it's okay repost yeah chances are people haven't caught it too right like your new followers or um they always say like it takes three times to repeat something for it to stick so maybe the third time I'm like I will make that carrot halwa yeah just like repost it's okay yeah which by the way i was eating right before this i made a paleo version of your carrot halwa because we're paleo this month um to lose some weight of 2020 um and it has been delicious and saved my life during an otherwise depressing food month i have a good gadget halwa granola too oh can you make that paleo too i'm sure you oh wait it's oatmeal no, oatmeal is not, but you can just do coconut sugars and stuff like that, which is why that halwa was perfect. Uh, yeah. No, I'm going to keep looking through your cookbook <laughs> to see what I can paleo buy for now. <laughs> um, but I'm, I'm so glad you shared that because I think a lot, a large part of even building any type of followership on Instagram, like it is easy to start looking at other accounts and also comparing, right? Like I find myself feeling really insecure when I start going down that path and it just feels like it's not serving a productive purpose. So just stop and move on. It's that and then you also are more likely to copy. Yeah, that's true. Because I mean, you want to create content that no one's really seen maybe you follow a couple of trends here and there but you want to share content that's like unique to you right so how do you find that limit then because there's probably the piece where you need to be up to speed enough mm-hmm. where you know what how to like you know like okay this is something that people like but then not so much that you're subconsciously feeling like oh I just like got this from this person I usually will just kind of like scroll once or like once in a while, but I use Google Trends a lot to figure out what's trending. Yeah. <laughs> um, you know, you can, it's a search engine. You just go to Google Trends, look up recipes, set a date parameter and a location parameter, and it'll tell you like what are people searching for. Look at you, Miss Data. <laughs> that's genius. Sometimes you do have to kind of be in your bubble so you to your point. So that's a wonderful way to keep informed though and not like have FOMO. With that, I have one last customary round. I consider it rapid fire. So I would love if you could just say whatever pops into your head. It's called the chip chip round. Um, But if there's anything that we have some follow ups on, I'm at liberty to ask. Does that sound okay? Yeah. Okay. So first question, if you could change our lives, with one simple culinary trick that not many folks know, but you wish that they did, what would it be? Use a scale. For the love of God, use a scale. <laughs> so no cups and measuring? No. Use a scale for all of it. 
A scale is so accurate. Like you can have one cup of onions and like three different times and each of those weeds will be different. Oh, that's so true. Well, I like that. So January resolution, don't weigh myself, but weigh my food. Yes. <laughs> Love it. <laughs> So on the show, Friends, which a lot of people are familiar with, there's that concept of having your celebrity list of people that you would hook up with, even if you were married, um, should they walk in. Um, Have you and your husband discussed your celebrity list? And who's on yours? Oh, the Duke just got added. Uh, Yes. Um, (laughs) I sound like a cougar. I'm like Harry Styles. Yum. Okay. When it comes to celebrities... Age should not be a factor. Let's not judge. So please love your Harry Styles. And I think those are the two big ones. Those are great choices. Do you know what's on his? Oh, Deepika Pandukon. He's a big fan of her. And I think she would be the only one. The funny thing. That's a worthy one. I got really close. So. Zayn Malik from One Direction to like an AMA a few years ago. Uh huh. And he, like, I guess someone asked him, like, oh, like, what's one of your favorite, like, TV shows, reality shows? Because he's really into food, right? Yeah. Uh, and he talked about MasterChef and he's like, oh, the Indian girl on this season is cute. Oh my God. And I got, like, let me tell you, I got, like, so many emails that night, like, oh my God, Zayn Malik mentioned you in his AMA. Hazel, <laughs> <laughs> okay. you were amongst the Hadids. <laughs> <laughs> Not that cute. But okay, anytime your husband ever, you're like, oh, I disagree, be like, well, you know what? Zayn likes me, so <laughs> I'd be careful. <laughs> right? I'm like, you could have had this, but you got it. So you're welcome. <laughs> this is amazing. I'm so glad you shared that. Um, what is an Indian flavor that absolutely does not need to be fused with other foods and should just be kept left alone? Oh, I don't know. I'm like, I'm all about the fusing. I'm okay. Yeah. Get weird with it. Love it. Remix. Um, what is the worst and best social media comment you've received? Um, the worst is usually along the lines of uh, either mom shaming or, oh. um, you're like, there's them saying, and maybe this is a frustration for me where they like substitute like 20 things in my recipe and then say it didn't work and that the recipe's shit. <laughs> yeah, I can imagine that's a natural pet peeve to have. And I'm like, oh my God, there's a reason why this recipe is written the way it is. Right. Um, the best are when people tell me that I had one that made me cry. It was this girl who made my gulab jamun cake for her mom's like passing away anniversary. Oh my gosh. And she had said that her mom used to make gulab jamun during Diwali all the time. And it was the first time since her mom was gone that the house smelled like her mom was still there. Oh, wow. And I just was like crying. I was like, it was just such a sweet and meaningful comment. 
yeah just reminds me like why I share my recipes and that food is a very personal thing it's not just for nourishment but it like it means something to people absolutely it's I would even argue it was like one of the single most universally thing like universal things that we could connect over even over a year like last year is like food right I think that's why you see the popularity of it last year and it gives it gave us so much comfort it gave us an an ability to kind of get back together as our families whatever they look like and be able to create together and it it means a lot anyway but I this is why I think the work that you do it's just so impactful It, it like blows my mind to see people making like my desserts for Diwali and it's like the second time, you know, two years in a row, they've made milk and cardamom desserts mm-hmm. for their Diwali. And they're like, this is going to be a tradition. Oh, that's amazing. And like, it blows my mind. Cause like part of me, like secretly hopes that like the cake turns into like the Nestle chocolate chip of like Macy's. Yeah. You know, like all these people that are, Nestle chip cookie, like Toll House cookie recipe, right? Yeah. Oh, I think you could. Yeah, that's. Is there going to be a whole generation of like, <laughs> kids my daughter's age that grew up with their parents making blood jelly bunt cakes and dab barks and whatnot? I really hope so because it's certainly like I mean, of course, like nothing can beat that comment and experience, but um, it's been almost two years since I've seen my dad and like uh, my parents live in India and like with COVID there's like no chance I can go and like just making your recipes have helped me feel a lot closer to the desserts that my mom make and like even just those flavors right you just feel so emotional when you like bite in you're like I can taste the saffron and the syrup and this is exactly like how my mom would make it with the lychee grain you can like still chew it a little like so it's it's really much like you know something that I think um it means so much because we also just think of our parents the minute we make this right like a lot of they're they've been the ones to show us this food as well or our grandparents yeah and we're getting to this reality of our parents is becoming real very evident mm-hmm. uh, yeah we're gonna have a whole generation like whole indian acts like there's a really good podcast i think scotchy gold does for this american life and she talks about how mm-hmm. to imagine her life without hearing a hard r Mm. and that our kids aren't going to grow up hearing that accent oh my gosh yeah you know and like how far displaced they're going to be and I'm like I listen to this and again I'm like sobbing in my car as I'm listening to it (sighs) oh my god yeah I mean after that I'm sure you're like (laughs) like every time you're talking to her (laughs) you're like we will pronounce it differently now (laughs) Oh my. <laughs> my mom's like Ilara. Yeah. <laughs> I know it's it, it's a trip. Even like I'm sure like right like your name when you hear your parents say it, you're like, oh my god, who who is that? I'm so like my, my name at home is like Lady, and I'm like, what? Huh? Like I, I don't even know who that is. <laughs> but but anyway, last but not least. What was your emo song in middle school or like band singer if you don't have a specific song? It was Bollywood songs like Dookie, Heartbreak. Oh my gosh. 
if you talk so i thought you were gonna say like lincoln park or something but like bollywood emo is another level of emo yeah. <laughs> it is all consuming <laughs> but all right the key it is <laughs> but <laughs> on an opposite note, i probably shouldn't have ended on that question like all right the key well thanks for talking milk and <laughs> Joyful. I know. <laughs> but, um, well, yeah, let's on, on a positive quote. Like, what are you going to make next? So, the goal is lots more Valentine's desserts because we're at that point of year. Mm-hmm. Um, do some more food writing for some food media. So, hopefully, see there. Book two. Oh, I'm rooting for that. Trying to get my second book out. Get it. I, my proposal's out. My agent's chopping it around. So hopefully it gets picked up. Um, and then expanding on my bakery, you know. Amazing. Fun collaborations, all sorts of stuff. Yeah. I saw a countdown for the cakes for yes. four days now, maybe. Yeah. So I will be refreshing constantly. <laughs> But um, that is super exciting. And um, of course, let your fans know if there's anything we can do to support. Um, But it is I'm rooting for your second book and just so excited to see more of your work and just energy and spirit online. It has been such a positive impact for us. So thank you so much, Hethel, for the work that you do and for taking the time to chat with me. Okay, yeah. So Sorry, my brain just absolutely farted. I'm like... (laughs) I meant to say, yeah, it's been wonderful to talk to you, too. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) All right. Bye. (laughs) You you can say that, too, Hazel. (laughs) I, I do this in meetings all the time when I'm, like, trying to sound professional. And my brain comes up with, like, a great idea, but my mouth is like, uh-huh. Yeah. <laughs> like, English me no speak. <laughs> do you want me to do that over again, or should I keep this? You can keep it. It's okay. okay. <laughs>